0: Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you. It inspires you. It challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. I want you to stand up. I have a very special guest for you today. I'm super excited. Would you put your hands together and welcome from Hope City in Houston, Texas, Pastor Jeremy Foster, everybody. Come on, let's give Jesus an
1: ovation of worship right now. Come on, give it up. Jesus, you are good. Hey, City Hills, look what the Lord has done in five years. Come on, let's give him an ovation of worship. God, you're good. Man. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you look good. You look good. You can be seated. You guys look great. Doesn't it feel good? It's our birthday, y'all. Come on. Turn to somebody next to you and say, happy birthday. happy birthday. Turn to Somebody else say, how old are you? No, don't do that. I don't do that. You get you in trouble, man. What an honor it is to be with you guys and uh, to be here. When a Pastor called me and said, "Hey, can you be here for our anniversary?" I said, "Absolutely. Whatever I have to do, I just want to be there, um, celebrate with with you guys. What you've done, and and really, it is a team accomplishment. It's a kingdom accomplishment. It's a team accomplishment <clears throat> for what the Lord has done through two people and with their two kids who just decided hey, we're just not going to quit. We're going to go all in." I tried to talk him out of it. I really did. I was like, "Bro, <clears throat> I mean, come on, Bernie, <laughs> Houston, come on." I mean, we don't have any hills; we have some trash mounds. But come on, you know. <laughs> but he felt, and both of them felt this in their hearts, and they gave up everything to come here. Um, he had a full preaching schedule; he tour, travel. I mean, he was an adjunct executive pastor with us, and uh, and could have could have stayed and done that and. But, but wanted to be a part of this and wanted to see lives change. And here we are, more than 500 people will now call heaven their home. Come on, isn't that great? Do you love your pastors? One more time, let's give them a great big hand. I love Pastor Mitch and Brandy. Love them so much, and uh, they're just incredible people. I, I, he probably wouldn't even want me telling you this, but he, is, he, he didn't sleep any last night. He was in the ER last night. He's got an ulcer somewhere inside of his cheek. And uh, I do. I'm I'm grateful that I'm here to preach this weekend, and you don't have to preach through that. Um, But a lot, a lot of pain right now. And but that's. And I think it's indicative of who you are, as a pastor, and as a man. And just saying, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna keep. That's why he's walking around with a little spit cup. I mean, it is Texas. Whatever. I mean, if if your if your pastor don't dip, is he really a man? I don't. I'm playing. It's a joke. (laughs) Ah, if it was my first time here, I'd be like, that's my guy right there. <laughs> Pastor's got a spit cup, I'm here, I'm in. Um, hey, if it's your first time to hear me, I apologize. <laughs> um, the real preachers will be back next week. But, uh, but I, love, I love your heart to just fight through and just love people and take whatever life throws at you and just keep going. And both of you have done that. Some of our very best friends in the world, amazing people, a constant voice at our church, and and you lead here so well. Love you. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due, and it is due to you guys. You guys have done such a great job, and it's not easy. Turn to somebody next to you and say, Life is hard. Life is hard. Five years planting a church, going all in, the highs and the lows, moving from one location to another location, losing that location, moving somewhere else. COVID, dear God, help us all. Masks, no mask, what do we do? It's it's a ch- Life is just hard. You ever had a, just a bad day? You ever had a bad year? You lived through last year. It was just tough. Just You ever had one thing? You thought it was going to turn out great, and it just didn't turn out the way you wanted it to turn out? A few months ago, I was driving, and I was on my way to my office, and I was doing something, you know, working for the Lord, and uh, and there's traffic in Houston, and it is a spiritual gift of the city of Houston, it's traffic. And so, as I was driving, we have these HOV lanes, and I don't know if y'all have HOV lanes, but I'm sure you probably do, the high occupancy vehicle lanes where you have to have more than one person in the vehicle to, to ride in them. Um, I was by myself in my truck, and, uh, but I was like, hey, I'm, I'm doing the work of the Lord, so thank you, Lord, for, you said there, you make a way, there's a way right there, and so I jumped in that HOV lane, and I was, I didn't feel a bit bad about it, the Bible says "When about the Lord's business, make haste, and that's what I was doing, I couldn't, I mean, hey, it says wait upon the Lord, not upon the traffic, so I was like, there's a way right there, and so, uh, but the state trooper behind me did not feel the same way, and so, um, he pulled me over, and he sauntered up to my car, like, if you, if you're a police officer, did they, do they teach you to do that right there, I mean, he, I love all the officers, but <laughs> He rolls up and he goes, I rolled my window down and said, hey, how you doing? He goes, you know why I pulled you over? And I, I'm, I'm, look, confession, it's, we're supposed to confess our sins one to another. I lied. I said, uh, no, but I knew, I, I knew, I knew why. And I said, oh, no, <laughs> why'd you pull me over? And he goes, uh, because you're in the HOV lane, that's the high occupancy vehicle lane, and you're by yourself. And I looked at him I said, hey. I'm a pastor. I ain't never by myself. Jesus in here with me. (laughs) That brother gave me a $250 ticket. (laughs) He didn't believe in me or Jesus, Uh, so I I prayed for him quickly. But it hit me as as I left that I thought I thought about that, and I was I was laughing at myself and 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 then crying a little bit too. Um, But it made me think, it doesn't matter how alone you feel, you are never by yourself. You have a God who has promised to never leave you and never forsake you. But here's what he didn't promise. He didn't promise to get you out of everything. He promised to be with you in everything. So this weekend on our fifth anniversary, I want to preach to you on this subject, hope in a hard place. God may not get you out of the hard place, but he will give you hope. In the hard place. And there's not a church who epitomizes that more than City Hills. It's not easy. But God didn't call us to easy. I love your pastor. We we, we have traveled. We have toured the world together. We have. We, I, I Let me tell you how much I trust your pastor. I had a moment. I didn't tell this in first service. I had a moment in 2016. I think it was 2016. Because you planted September 2016, right? It was. Uh, it was. It uh, was. Uh, Good. Fr- oh, it's Palm Sunday, yes. It was Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. You remember that. You can't forget it. We had a bunch of services. We had a bunch of people coming to church, and I had studied all week. And I had 47 pages of notes and nothing to say. And I don't know if you've ever spoke publicly and had a lot of stuff, but just nothing. To, I didn't have anything to say. And literally, like I told Mitch. Mitch was there with me. I was like, I, don't, I just don't know if I have it. It was a Saturday night service. And he was like, well, you know, the Lord will bless You know, just God's called you. He's encouraging me. I got up there, and it was awful. Like, I knew it was bad. I could tell while I was preaching, this is not good. Like, this is when I was like, all right, Lord, your word says that your word will not return void. My words are returning void right now. There's a void right now. Nobody's laughing. Everybody's just looking at me, kind of like you're doing right now. It was awful. Like, it was so bad. It was Saturday night. We had three or four more services on Sunday. I walked off stage, and my wife met me backstage. She goes, hey, are you okay? I was like, it was that bad? She goes, I thought you were having a nervous, nervous breakdown on stage. I was like, it was awful. And I preached like 50 minutes. It was terrible. We had 17 people give their lives to Jesus. That's how you know it's a word from God and not a word from you, right? But it was so bad, I knew I, knew, I couldn't do it the next day. I was like, this is terrible. I just looked at Mitch, and I said, Mitch, can you preach tomorrow? He goes, I'm in. I was like, all right, bub. And he preached the next day. I'll never forget the sermon you preached because it was directly to me. You preached, this is just a chapter. It's not the whole book. And I went, thank you, Lord, that last night was just a chapter, and it was not the whole book. But that's how much I trusted him, and now he is one of the most trusted uh, voices at our church. Because he understands, you got to persevere through it sometimes. Aren't you grateful that, I mean, you're a cowboy. You don't wear cowboy boots. I've seen you on a horse. You're not really good on a horse. (laughs) I got a picture of you on a horse with a T-tiny, it's little bitty old hat. It is hilarious looking. T-shirt. And he's just leaned over like, uh, uh-uh, this is not okay. But we have so much fun. But he's a, if, if there's ever a cowboy, that's a cowboy right there who just cowboys up and says, all right, we're just going to dig our heels in and let God do what God has promised to do. And we're going to stay faithful in the process. Aren't you grateful for faith leaders who are faith-filled? Love that. Faith preacher. I love that. But sometimes it just gets hard. Genesis chapter 28 Chronicles the story of Jacob, and to to just give you the background, Jake. Everything had gone wrong in Jacob's life. He was born the second uh, son. He was he was a a set of twins, and he was born second. And if you understand Jewish culture, that pretty much meant he got nothing. He was the backup son. His brother got the birthright. He got the inheritance. And Jacob was just kind of like, hey, if something happens to your brother, then we'll you know everything will fall to you. But beyond that, yeah, you just you just look good. You're just part of the family. God bless you. And that that was. And he fought for everything he got. He exploited. His brother, kind of out of, the, out of the birthright, he kind of tricked his father into blessing him. And he spent a large portion of the first part of his life running from his past and running from his mistakes. And we find him in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. It's all bad. It's all bad. Have you ever just had a bad day, bad year? Maybe you've had a bad life and a lot of it's your own decisions. He made his own life harder. And he finally reaches this place. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set, which tells us he, he just couldn't go on. And he took one of the stones there and he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. That's a bad place. When it's so bad that you have to use a rock for a pillow, that's bad. And I don't know, I don't know what your rock for a pillow is right now. I don't know what your hard place is right now. Maybe it's a marriage that everybody thinks is fine, but you know you're sleeping in separate bedrooms and it's destroyed. Maybe it's a business that you thought was going to take off and it's not. Maybe it's hopes and dreams that you had and they're crashed and dashed against the rocks. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your family, relationships, career tracks, not where it's supposed. It's a hard place. Here's what I can tell you. God will give you hope in a hard place, but write this down. You have to be honest about the hard place. You actually have to be honest when you're in a hard place. And that's hard for us to do. As as believers, if you're in here and you're an atheist, this is the problem that you have with Christians. We act like everything's fine. And we ain't fine. Y'all do it in church every weekend. How you doing? Fine. How's the family? Fine. Where are you going to eat? Fine. Fine. It's all fine. Because we don't want to show you what we're really dealing with. Because then you might judge us. You might, you might think that we're not who we say we are. Well, here's the clue. None of us are. We all act like we're better than we are. Oh, and with the dawn of social media, it's worse than it's ever been. You ever, I shouldn't say this. You ever met somebody that you had only seen on social media, and then you meet them and you're like, hmm, that profile picture you got does really well for you because in person you don't look anything like that. We live these lives by these social media feeds that are not true. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm not saying you should put all everything out there on social media. Nobody wants to see all that. If you follow me on social media, I'm not saying you have to follow me on the social media, it's at Jeremy Foster. But if you follow <laughs> If you follow me on social media, you're going to see family pictures. They're going to be smiling family pictures. They're going to be happy family pictures. You're going to see some preaching clips. They're going to encourage you. I have daughters, man. I have daughters and sons. I have four daughters, and I have two sons. And I'm telling you right now, the the pictures that I post with my daughters in them, like they have to go through like series of approval, like, like, it doesn't matter what I look like, they don't care what I look like in the picture, they only care what they look like in the picture, and if I'm going to post it, it has to go through this series of, we post only the things that make us look good, like, I've never been in a fight with my wife and been like, hang on, baby, let me put this on Instagram Live, and like, just put it up there and put it on Instagram Live, like, hey, girl, like, oh, don't say that on Instagram Live, (laughs) she can't say those words, you know, I don't do that, we don't do that, why, because you don't want to see that, Well, some of you do, you're sick. No, we keep this persona, and that's fine for social media, but it's not fine for reality. You need to be honest with yourself. You need to be honest with God, and you need to be honest with at least one other person. That's why we want you to get into small groups. We just launched small groups. You need to get in a group specifically. Get in a freedom group. Let God rock your world. Let Him change your life. Get in a group. Get around somebody else. The Bible says confess your sins one to another. Who do you have in your life that you could call and confess a sin to? If you don't have anybody, you need to get in a group. Get in a group. Get around somebody that you can go, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I need some help. You've got to be honest. Why is this so important? Well, if you study the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is leaving Jerusalem, and some blind beggars call out to him. They're blind. Everybody say, they're blind. they're blind. They're blind. They call out to Jesus. And Jesus says, bring them to me. And then Jesus asks quite possibly the dumbest question. I don't mean that disrespectful, but at face value, it's one of the dumbest questions Jesus has ever asked. He stopped, verse thirty-two, and called them. And when they got over to him, Jesus said, "What do you want me to do for you?" You got to know his disciples were like, "Oh, oh, hey, bro, did you hear what Jesus just said?" Now, what did he said, he hit him with, "What do you want me to do for you?" I mean, like that one dude's doing this, like that. Like, how? Like, how does? How does he not know? You're going to tell him? I ain't going to say, I'm not saying nothing, bro. It's, I said some of the fish and loaves, and I, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that again. It's like, you do it. All right, all right. Hey, Jesus. Hey, uh, son of God, um, I know uh, I know you're all like, will you let me do for you? I know you said that, uh, but hey, 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 you looked at them, Jesus? Hey, Jesus. Hey, they blind, Jesus. They that that one that you see the glasses, he's got glasses on and it's like dusk. Hey, that dude's got a dog right there. He ain't walking that dog. That dog's walking him, Jesus. He can't see. You think Jesus didn't know what they needed? When the answer asks you a question, it's less about him and more about you. Jesus didn't need to ask them the question. But they needed to answer it in order to be honest with what they were dealing with. How do you know that you've got a miracle unless you've prayed specific prayers? How do you know that God has answered unless you've actually put it out and said, God, this is what I need. I wonder sometimes if God didn't come into City Hills, if Jesus incarnate walked in here and walked over to you, how would you respond Oh Jesus, <laughs> Jesus! Kids, straighten up. It's Jesus. Jesus, would you take a selfie with us? This is amazing. Instead of looking at him and going, God, we're broken and we're desperate and we need you. Do you know? Here's what I believe. I'm so excited about the plan to stay campaign. I'm so excited about the building that you guys get. I'm so excited about that's part of what God is doing here. But you you know where that came from? Can I tell you where that came from? A conversation that we had that these two have had long before they had it with me. Conversations they've had with you. But he looked at me and he said, we need a building. God, we, we need a breakthrough, and we prayed, and we said, all right, God, and he, he put it out there, said, we need something, by, we need something before the end of the year that we can sink our teeth into and say, okay, God, this is the future, and God said, oh, I like those kind of prayers here, and you're going to have to work for it, it's not going to be easy, everybody's going to have to invest, it's going to take all of us going all in, but we're going to plan to stay, why? Because God is good, but you got to be honest. When was the last time that you opened up and said, God, I'm not okay, and I need your help. I need your strength in this season. Yeah, the one thing that I loved about 2020 is we finally realized that none of us are okay. Yeah. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Right. Yeah. you got to be honest about it and say, Lord, I'm struggling. Jacob did probably the greatest thing that he could have done, and I think he probably did it subconsciously and then didn't even realize what he was doing. You know what Jacob did? Jacob stopped, and that's what some of you need to do. He stopped, and he rested. Why? Because he couldn't go on. Some of us, God is looking for just a moment where we'll just stop everything, and then he can come in. But we've been going so fast, trying so hard to figure it out ourselves. Some of us, God is just waiting on us to hand it to him. He's just waiting on us to let go of it. And when Jacob finally rested, guess what happens? He's in a hard place. It's the worst place he's ever been. His head is on a rock and God shows up because God shows up in the hardest places. He shows up and Jacob sees a vision. And in the vision, there's a staircase, and there's angels ascending and descending, and God is at the top, and God speaks to him. Verse 13, he says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. This is very powerful, because Jacob feels like he's destroyed his life. His dad was awesome. His granddad was awesome. And God is saying, hey, listen, you haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. You haven't messed up so bad that I can't visit the blessings from your father, from your grandfather, onto your life. And so I'm here to tell you today that no matter how many mistakes you've made, You haven't destroyed your destiny. God still has something great for you. And you're in the right place. Welcome home. You're right where you're supposed to be. And God's going to use you right where you are. You just got to recognize it. Oh, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know who we serve. We serve a God who loves you. Verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. I wonder how many times God is in your situation, and you just haven't even realized it yet. A few years ago, I was going to preach a conference. I don't even remember where I was going, but I went to the, I got to the airport. I like to get to the airport about an hour before the flight, okay? Sometimes 40 minutes before the flight. But I just don't like to spend a lot of time at the airport. So I got there, and TSA, the TSA pre-line was long. I mean, it was just a long line. I was like, oh, Lord. You know I got to get to this conference, God. Just help me, God. I'm standing back there in the line, and it's getting intense. Like they're checking everybody's bags, and and I see this one intense TSA lady, and she's looking around, and she's looking back at the crowd, and then she she yells, she says, "Hey, you, sir!" I was like, "Somebody in trouble," you know. And then she was like, "You in the black shirt," and I was like, "Yes, you." I was like. Like, it, I, like my voice broke like I was like I was 14 I was like me like like it was like me you know and she was like yes yeah, you come here and I was like I, I like I wanted to start confessing but I have anything to confess I was like I ain't got no I ain't got no bombs except these holy ghost bombs I'm gonna drop at this conference later on but I ain't got nothing else she's like come here so I start I'm like people are moving away from me like I have something I'm like I got nothing judgy you know And as I get closer to her, I'm nervous. And right when I got like a foot from her, she was like, Pastor, I recognize you back there in the line. I didn't want you to wait. I want you to come on through. I was like, "Ah, daughter of the Lord, you are blessed and highly favored. Now, here's what I want you to understand. God did not deliver me out of it. He delivered me through it. I still had to go through it, but it was, a, it was a relationship that I didn't even know I had that gave me access to push me through the process that everybody else, and the challenge with many of us is we're going, no, God, don't pick me. Amen. And God's going, if you'll let me choose you, I will call you, and yes, you're still going to have to go through it, but I'll bring you through it quicker, and I'll help you get through it stronger. You just got to trust me. Amen. I was not aware. In fact, I was actually scared of that relationship for a second. You have a relationship. If, if you will exercise what you have access to, exercise prayer. Go through the growth track. Why do you think we're always talking about that? Get in the growth track. Mitch talks about it all the time. Get in the growth track. Get, go through growth track. Why? Because you have a purpose that's bigger than you. And when you discover your purpose, dream team people are the happiest people. Why? Because it doesn't matter what happens, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. It could be a hard hard week. I get a win on the weekend getting to see somebody's life change. You mean I get to be a part of the salvations that happened in the last service by just serving? And I saw guys out here setting up signs early this morning. Come on, give it up for the dream team. I love it, man. Going all in. Why? Because we understand it's not about us. Verse 17, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? Everybody say this place. That statement doesn't make any sense because remember, that's the place that was the hardest place in his life. How awesome is this place? Wouldn't you love to turn around a couple days, a couple months, a couple years in your future and look back at the hardest time in your life and say, how awesome was that place? Here's what he said. He said, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven you mean the what's wrong with you, Jake? The hardest place in your life. We've been struggling for five years. We've been working hard trying to get get a place to have church. We've moved from location to location to location. And here's what I said. I felt like the Lord spoke it to me in the last service. The reason God has moved you around so many times. And if you're if you're brand new to City Hills, we've had to move locations. We we started in an elementary school, and we had to move to a theater, and then we had to move to a hotel, and then and that was awesome. And then the hotel's like, "Yeah, y'all got to get out of here." So we're here. We are back in an elementary school, and there can be times where you're tempted to go why why and here's what I believe God's saying before I want to give you a building I want to give you territory so I'm going to give you this territory I'm going to give you that territory I'm going to give you this territory you're planting a flag there for the kingdom now I'm going to give you a building but you're not afraid to reach anywhere that I've called you to reach why because I've sent you there and it might be a hard place but there's hope there there's hope and early the next morning verse 18 Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar He poured oil on top of it, and he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. He did three things that you and I can learn from. Number one, you got to make your problem a pillar. He took the thing that he had slept on, that hard place, and instead of leaving it there as a stumbling block, he set it up as a stepping stone. He didn't look back on it and say, this is the hardest time in my life. He said, oh, that was the place where I heard from God. What if you made the problem in your marriage, the challenge in your career, the hard time that you're in right now, instead of making it a problem, make it a pillar, make it an altar, make it a place of prayer where you go to the Lord and you say, God, i got to trust you. This is what I'm praying about. Make it a pillar. You realize inside of these walls there's pillars. You can't see them. They're not decorative. They're behind the, the veneer. They're tested. They're what holds the building up. It's the problems that you go through that test your faith so that God can place blessings on you but you have to go through the challenges in order to build your strength to hold the blessings some of us just want the blessings with no strength and it'll destroy you but over time if I get my sea legs under me and I start working and I realize I've got a foundation why because now when God blesses me I won't take credit for it I'll give all the glory to God and say it was never about me God you've you've come to me to go through me make your problem pillar number two he did something really weird he poured oil on it And you got to pour oil on the problem. Now, if you're new to church, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, why would I pour oil on it? Well, if you read through the Scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament, anytime you poured oil on something, you were saying, I'm setting this apart for the Lord. This is not mine. This is God's. That's why they anointed the priests with oil. When David was called to be king, the prophet poured oil over his head, and it flowed all the way down to the bottom of his robe. What was he saying? You're set apart for the Lord. I know what some of y'all are thinking, like, okay, if I pour oil on some, setting it apart for the Lord, you're gonna go home and pour oil all over your kids and be like, I set you apart some on your husband too, you too, right now. But what, what we can do with that is we can say, okay, when I pour prayer onto it, and I say, Okay, God, this is not mine anymore. This is yours. Some of us are holding on to problems that God's saying, if you would give that to me, I could work through it. I may not deliver you out of it, but I could work through it if you'll put it in my hands. Some of us, the challenge with us is we're persevering without progressing. You're just holding on. How long are you going to hold on? I'm just holding on. Well, stop just holding on and let go and let God have it. Have you ever thought about the story of the three Hebrew children? If you don't know the story, they, they, were, they were in captivity, and, and the king trains them to be rulers in his palace. But the one, this whole one thing that they have to do is bow down to this idol of the king, and they won't bow down because they serve the one true God. And so he says, listen, in punishment, we're going to put you in a fiery furnace, and we're going to cook well, hot dogs, hamburgers, and you they have a barbecue. And I love their response to him. He said, I want you to think about this, guys, because I'm going to give you a second chance to bow down to this idol of me. And they said, we don't need a second chance. Our God will deliver us. But if he doesn't, I love that. Our God will, but if he doesn't, we will never bow to your idol. And you know what happened? God didn't go, great job, guys. Get them out of there. He didn't do that. Oh, that's so good, guys. Uh, Let's get them out of there. No, they went into the fiery furnace. That's probably about where my faith would have wavered. I'd have been all strong like, we would never bow to your idol. You're going to throw us in the fiery furnace anyway. God, where are you? Why? That's how most of us walk through pain. They went into the fiery furnace. And you know what? God didn't deliver them out of it. He was with them in it. And you know who delivered them out of it? The king. The king looked in and said, hey, hey, how many we throw in there? Like three. He's like, well, there's four. And the fourth looks like the son of God. Get him out of there. The question I wrote in the margin of my Bible is how does he know? He's a heathen king. Nebuchadnezzar is a heathen king. He doesn't worship God. How does he know what the son of God looks like? The only answer that I can come up with the enemy always recognizes when God shows up in your situation he's just waiting to see if you recognize it and when you recognize it and give God praise and give God honor and give God glory in the midst of pain then the enemy is forced to deliver you the king that put him there was the one who got him out and the entire chapter 4 of the book of Daniel is written by a heathen king giving glory to God so not only will God cause the enemy to deliver you but the enemy will give glory to God in the process If you'll worship God through the pain, you will find hope in the hard place. That's the third and final thing that you have to do. Verse 19, he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Luz means twisted or separated. It means departed. He went to sleep in Luz. He woke up in Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. Watch this. He went to sleep in Luz, twisted, separated, departed he woke up in Bethel the house of God he never changed locations he just opened his eyes to who was with him some of us want God somehow to supernaturally get us out of where we are and move us over here to somewhere else and God's going no 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 I'm not going to move you out of where you are. I'm going to step into where you are. And it's the recognized presence of God that changes everything. God is in your situation. He's in your marriage. He's in your career. He's in your education. He's in your problems. He's in your family. He's there. You've just got to actually recognize that he's there and do the third thing, and that is turn your problem into praise. Recognize that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that's at work on the inside of us. Shift your perspective. God has placed you here on purpose. You're at City Hills on purpose. You owe it to yourself to come back and hear one of the greatest Bible teachers. you got great leaders here. I love the, t- the name of your campaign, Plan to Stay. Let's plan to stay. If you're here, God called you here. You're not here by accident your church hopping and church shopping welcome home you found your place you mean i'm gonna go to school i'm gonna go to church in a school yeah for a little while why because god wants you on the ground floor of a move of god and he wants to do something in this region and he's called you here plan to stay i told pastor last service that we're going to sow in twenty five thousand to that campaign we believe in what god's doing here and i my prayer my prayer is that that you'll go all in as well can i tell you this it's not about money I didn't say any of this last service I just feel it it's not about money anytime the church talks about money if you start getting tight if you start getting like oh why do we talk about money you have a problem now it might be that you were taken advantage of by church or that's why we just don't ask you for a specific amount here we just ask you to pray and do whatever the Lord puts on your heart or it could be that you're greedy I'm not greedy I just don't want anybody getting my money Okay. God doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. Well, He's got my heart. Well, follow the money trail. Because the Bible says, "Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." So wherever your wherever the bulk of your money is, that's where your heart is. Make sure make sure it's in the kingdom of God. And it's being poured into something that will last beyond you. If all I'm building for right now is me. I'm building a dynasty. I'm trying to build a dynasty. God doesn't want dynasties. He wants legacies. God's called you to build a legacy. I'm a part of a legacy. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for what God's doing in our church, in my life, in our family. God's done amazing things at Hope City. He's doing amazing things at City Hills. A few years ago, we had this little campaign, Tell Us Your Hope City Story. And I got a letter from a lady, and I want to read it to you. It's a two-page letter, so it'll take me about three minutes to read it. But I want you to, I want you to hear it. She said, my mother was a single mom, and life wasn't easy growing up, but we loved one another dearly. She worked like a dog with only an eighth-grade education to support four little girls and never got any child support. I knew she loved me, but there were always habits and addictions lurking in her life that continually knocked her off course. At the age of 11, my world fell apart, and my mother divorced her third husband. I was heartbroken and devastated because he was the only man that I'd ever called daddy. My biological father had abandoned me when I was little, and now another daddy was leaving. Our lives spun out of control as my mother fell deeper into addiction. We moved from Texas to Oklahoma, and it was a life-altering move. We were closer to my grandmother, and she began taking me to her church. I'd never felt anything like that. I remember walking down that long aisle and kneeling down at the front and giving my heart to Jesus. It was a profound moment of realization in my life that there really was a love that wouldn't leave. And that's the moment that god truly became my father i didn't realize then how much i would need that protecting and loving hand of my new father i lived through verbal mental physical and emotional abuse constantly somehow my conversion to christ had caused my mother to feel guilty it was hard for her to take that i had found real love and the abuse got worse my mother married again and in that marriage we became a blended family and acquired two stepbrothers the marriage didn't last long but during that time i was able to lead my two stepbrothers to christ My mother got hooked on prescription drugs and became more abusive. I know what it is for my own mother to pull out a loaded 45 and hold it against my temple and scream, I'm going to blow your brains out. I was in the eighth grade. I ran next door and shook as the neighbors called the police. A judge committed my mom to a state mental hospital for six months. My sisters and I lived with my grandmother, and that was some of the greatest moments of my childhood because she took us to her church. When mom got out of the institution we went home with her but she was angry and bitter and slipped right back into the drug habit and there were different men coming in and out of our home every week she quickly divorced husbands five and six and continued the lifestyle of drugs and abuse she would grab me by the hair of the head and knock me into door facings and sling me into the coffee table screaming and cursing and i struggled not to believe what she would say about me spankings were beatings she could backhand you quicker than you could blink but through it all i knew god had a purpose for my life i was so desperate for god that I would ride to church with anyone who would take me. One particular man in his family would come and pick me up. I remember riding in the back of a pickup truck for 60 miles round trip just to get into the presence of God. Mama got worse. I remember her storming into church one morning and screaming for us to get up and get out of there. I finally threw up my hands and I told her I said, I'm quitting church and she stopped. Her eyes cleared and in a soft voice she said, please don't quit going to church. I'm miserable and you can't turn out like me. After I graduated from high school, my mother married husbands seven, eight, and nine, but my life has taken a different path. And the moment I walked into Hope City, I felt that same presence of God that I felt when I was an 11-year-old girl desperate for love and acceptance. Thank you for providing a place where people can find healing, hope, and happiness. My story has a happy ending. A year and a half before my mama died, with tears in her eyes, she gave her heart to Jesus. And I thank God every day for churches like Hope City who reach hurting people. It was because of a church like this that an 11-year-old girl gave her heart to Christ and I've never looked back. Keep doing what you're doing. It's saving lives. Aren't you grateful that we're a part of something that's bigger than us? (laughs) (laughs) Right when I got that letter, I knew who it was. I laughed because she had written it to encourage me but that letter is from my mom that's what my mama walked through to put me on the planet she walked through hell i didn't know my grandmother long but she was rough and god for whatever reason did not deliver my mom out of that situation i don't know why The question that I get more often than any other question as a pastor is, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? The only answer I've got is we live in a fallen world. We need Jesus. This is not heaven. God did not deliver my mom out. He delivered her through. And I thank God every day for this nameless, faceless man who had a truck. That's all he had. He gave God his truck and he drove 30 miles to pick my mama up. And then he drove 30 miles to put her in the presence of God and 30 miles back. 120 miles round trip this man drove every weekend to get my mother in the presence of god thank god for people on the dream team who serve a purpose that is greater than themselves i thank god for that man putting my mother in the presence of god and i thank god for my mama not quitting because in the last six years at hope city we've seen 47,000 people give their lives to jesus and we're not about to give up or quit or back down or back off Why? Because there is hope in a hard place. If you'll trust God, recognize His presence is available for you right now. Stand with me all across this room. I want to pray for you. Just for a moment, nobody looking around. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. The Bible says when you acknowledge me, I will acknowledge you. When you acknowledge God, he will acknowledge you. If you've been in a hard place, you just lift your hands and ask me, I've been in a hard place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just in honesty, in a hard place. Thank you. I want us to pray this prayer. And I'd like for everybody to pray it. Everybody lift your voice. We'll pray it all together. Some of you, you prayed this a long time ago, and it's just a reaffirmation of your faith in Christ. Some of you prayed it, but you never really felt it. Others of you, it'll be the first time that you've ever actually given your life to Christ. But I want us to do that right now. This prayer of submitting my life to Jesus. Pray with me. Jesus, say it like you mean it. Jesus, I trust you with my life. I've made so many mistakes. I can't do this on my own. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross and you rose again on the third day. So in this moment right now, I repent of my sins. I give you my mistakes, my past, my mess ups, my loneliness and my heartache. And right now, I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give him an ovation of worship. God, you're good. Pastor.
0: Why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials? I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.